Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that has hit the market, and cap off with discussing some of the latest regulatory updates. This 20-minute roundup is the curated shortlist for a download of what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Cheryl, who lead the sales effort in Asia-Pacific. But first, let's look at some news. So Nick, what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the month of September? Yeah, over September, Cheryl, lots of news and headlines and all sorts of things happening. Uh, but as we normally do, just a, a quick recap in terms of the recent volumes of green-labeled uh, instruments or, or green bonds. Um, CBI released some numbers showing, at least for August, pipped uh, just over $13 billion for the month. So another really strong month, adding the total cumulative uh, cumulative volume of green bonds to just over 900 billion. And since that announcement and recording of the podcast, uh, we're now over a trillion, which is a fantastic milestone for the green bond market. And I think the, the other key points are really just you know ongoing momentum. We've been particularly busy. Um, the market is very active. Um, so it's, it's, a, um, it's a good and busy time for lots of market uh, participants. The other thing is building on some of the numbers, um, CBI held their annual conference, which is always very high quality um, over the month. And I'd encourage any of our listeners to check out some of those uh, sessions and materials. They released a, a discussion paper or a white paper on transition, an excellent read. AIIB and Amundi released a climate change in investment framework. Again, excellent read. Um, and lots of different elements of transition discussed in that conference. Again, check them out on YouTube. Um, and lots of issues such as, you know, a just transition, different elements of a transition. And as I say, a couple of those really, really good resources and, and white papers uh, released as part of that conference. The other thing, uh, CBI has been particularly busy over the month. They released their pricing analysis or, or green bond pricing primary market uh, update. So check that out. They generally show that uh, green bonds continue to be more oversubscribed than uh, vanilla bonds and then at least a couple of basis points better in terms of the pricing, but nothing obviously can be guaranteed in that regard, but more and more evidence sort of growing around the pricing dynamics for green bonds. So CBI, definitely busy over the month, some, some great resources there. Um, what about yourself, Cheryl? What's caught your eye in particular? Yes, there was an interesting, a bit controversial article from Responsible Investor and Regulation Asia on BIS, which is the Bank of International Settlements, uh, coming up with a report that says there is no strong evidence that green bond issuance is associated with any reduction in carbon intensities over time at the firm level. So this is a long-standing debate on whether green labels and standards actually contribute to the decarbonization of the real economy. But, you know, such such debate is good. Uh, we think that, you know, such scrutiny is healthy and it also encourages the market to be more uh, transparent and development to be more robust. But it's also maybe good to consider the bigger picture on how fundamentally we are shifting our economy and our capital flows and perhaps sustainability linked bonds, which are linked to KPIs on carbon emissions will better address this, you know, reduction of carbon intensities over time at the firm level. Uh, what about you, Nick? Yeah, so um, apart from all the, the CBI conference and, and articles there, I also noted uh, BP released their um, energy outlook for 2020. And I thought that was an excellent and realistic report and, and a good read in terms of how they see the demand for some of the fossil fuels and oil sort of peaking uh, as of around now or, or soon and then really uh, tapering off as we move to hopefully a more of a net zero economy. So the, the report is an excellent read. It talks a lot about you know, some of the beliefs we need to challenge to move 
from more fossil-based systems to more renewables, which is obviously happening in many parts of the world. And then, you know, looks at many different elements of that, you know, consumers are having to make different choices, localized energy markets and the level of integration and, and competition going on for renewables and, and some other things. But um, I won't do it justice in, in giving a very small uh, summary that I just did, but uh, definitely check, uh, check that out. And it paints a, a very interesting picture of where some of those fossil fuel demand and, and market structures need to change into the future. Yep, moving on, uh, maybe we'd like to touch on some news about sovereigns and corporates as well, if we have time, because sovereign issuances tend to catalyze and spur the issuances for the market. And have you seen any interesting commitments by countries uh, in the month of September, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. There's a few big ones, actually. Probably the most notable would be from China. So China pledged to become carbon neutral by 2060. And South Korea also came out with um, some net zero goals, although net um, detailed information hasn't been released on that for. Uh, for South Korea and also uh, Japan over the month of October, I'm sort of sneaking into October already, also at least uh, released an intention to be net zero by 2050. So that's excellent developments and it will be really interesting to see how these statements, these commitments start to drive changes at a policy level and at a real economy level in many of these countries looking at the country level, industry levels, company levels and then activity levels. So uh, some really good developments there. We'll see how they... Um, uh, we'll see how they uh, how they go. Yep, and interestingly, in Europe, Finland's treasury actually came out to say they don't have enough green projects to finance and to justify issuing green bonds. So it's a bit of a strange statement coming from them because you know some of the other public sectors in their country sell debt to fund green projects, such as Munifin, uh, which is you know Finland's you know local finance agency that supports local governments, as well as the Nordic Investment Banks, uh, which owned by the Nordic and Baltic governments, which lends to projects such as renewable energy. But on the other hand, neighboring country Sweden launched the sale of its inaugural green bond in September, and uh, they raised about 20 billion crowns, and it, it was very well received by investors. Um, this also comes ahead with Germany's first green bond as well. Yeah, absolutely, Cheryl. The German uh, issuance was, we believe, very well received, um, and also other sovereigns coming to market, Sweden, um, and then also Egypt, I believe, tapping into a sort of a Middle East theme there. But the, the most noticeable thing that, uh, or notable thing, I should say, um, on the German issuance was the fact that they issued two tranches, one of them conventional and one of them green, same day, and I think same tenor. Um, so that will create some really interesting information for pricing analysis to go forward, having uh, being able to compare both uh, on the same uh, same day, so more pricing analysis connected to the green bond market is always a uh, is always a healthy thing. And anything else that grabbed your attention? Yeah, also surprisingly, green bonds are flourishing in the world's hydrocarbon hub in the Middle East, with Saudi Electric Co. as well as QNB debuting with $2 billion of green debt to finance projects including environmentally friendly buildings, smart meters, and infrastructure to distribute uh, renewable energy power. So not all investors are convinced that the bonds go beyond PR, but it's great to see some activity nonetheless. Absolutely. So it's been a big month for corporates as well, uh, Cheryl, in terms of announcements and news and all sorts of things happening. So what's caught your eye particularly for corporates over the month? 
That's right. Amazon announced an exciting global partnership with Mercedes-Benz in September where they plan to add 1,800 EV uh, Mercedes-Benz vans to their delivery fleet in Europe this year. So this is the largest electric vehicle commitment for Mercedes-Benz to date. And they also are the latest big name signatory to join the Climate Pledge, which is uh, Amazon's initiative founded in 2019, where they commit to meet the Paris Agreement targets 10 years early uh, in 2040. Any corporate uh, news caught your eye, Nick? Yeah, actually, from uh, in, in Australia, the global miner BHP group announced that it's going to use more renewable energy in some of its uh, coal mines. So I just find that an, an interesting, uh, interesting concept. The additionality of that, I guess, could be challenged a bit, given some of the harm that coal can generate. But um, I think the broader uh, message or issue in relation to mining, I think, really the mining company starting to look at how they can become more sustainable and then which commodities will continue to be important in a low carbon economy. So watch uh, watch this space uh, for mining. And then Nestle, I think, had an interesting announcement as well, Cheryl, or some interesting news. Yeah, that's right. So Nestle reported that they're on track to meet the sustainable packaging goal of 100% of recyclable or reusable packaging for their products by 2025. So currently, 87% of Nestle's packaging is reusable and recyclable. So, you know, some of their strategies include eliminating packaging as one or replacing plastic with more sustainable materials. Any other interesting commitments you've seen, Nick? Yeah, a couple more. So Google announced over the month that they had erased its entire carbon emission legacy. So that's a a pretty amazing statement. Whether or not IT companies have the hugest carbon legacy to start with, I guess, is is a different point. But maybe it's um, it's a start of more corporates really looking to to offset, but then go back in terms of what they had emitted previously. Uh, Also, Morgan Stanley becoming the first major U.S. bank to commit to net zero finance greenhouse gas emissions over uh, over the month. So um, a great development. And I think that's really going to heat up. And it's really a step change that I can see happening in terms of the challenge to the banks and then the banks becoming much more focused on reducing the call it financed emissions in their portfolios um, to restructure those over time. Yeah, maybe to round up this segment, there this might be an interesting read for the sustainability folks uh, in firms. So World Economic Forum, as well as Deloitte, published a paper on the summary of alignment discussion among leading sustainability and integrated corporate reporting frameworks such as CDP, GRI, and SASB. So this is a great paper if you're looking for you know something that summarizes the differences and perhaps some suggestions on how these frameworks will harmonize and work hand in glove in the future. Maybe now we'll just move on to the next section of our, our podcast where we talk about some interesting sustainable finance transactions that has hit the market. Any interesting green bond deals that caught your eye in September, Nick? Yeah, absolutely, Cheryl. And every month we say there's a smorgasbord of deals uh, on the green bond side and this month's no exception. So first thing I noted was a, a Sukuk structure and, and green bond issued by Kagamas, uh, who's a financier in, in Malaysia. So good to see more Sukuk structures coming to market. Uh, more insurance companies coming to market. Munich Re did a green bond. Then if you look at the other segments of the market, property continuing to be uh, one of the mainstay companies, Modern Land, uh, Gendro, CPI. We worked on the CPI uh, second party opinion. So more property transactions. In terms of renewables, lots and lots of renewables transactions. So uh, we've seen New Jersey resources launch um, a smaller, smaller size bond, but more activity in the US is always a a healthy thing. Landsverkren, I'm probably saying that wrong. Some big hydro assets um, issued in, the, in Europe under a private placement. Again, good to see hydro where that's structured well. 
coming to market as uh, as well. Uh, Saudi electricity, some green bonds there. So again, tapping into that Middle East theme. TD Bank uh, over in Canada. So banks continue to be a, a major issuer as well. Qatar, uh, National Bank, again, Middle Eastern theme, tapping the market. IBD, um, a development bank, again, development banks and multilaterals continue to be a, a mainstay of the, uh, of the market as well. Um, China Merchants Bank also issuing a sustainability bond. So good to see more Chinese banks coming to market and entering the, the offshore market. Um, the other one I wanted to mention was a sovereign in relation to the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, or essentially the, the Luxembourg sovereign. That's interesting to the extent that the use of proceeds are being aligned to the EU taxonomy. So that's a piece of work that we help them with, and that's included in our opinion, confirming the alignment of those user proceeds with the EU taxonomy. And that's uh, a service that we provide and has growing demand, which should continue to grow in the future. Uh, Mexico as well did a, uh, a sovereign bond link to the SDGs. So that's good to see and picks up on a, on a kind of uh, Latin American or Central American uh, theme there. Uh, waste to energy, another key part of the market. We worked with a company called Concord, a Chinese issuer there. Bright Group in Australia, a securitized deal for home energy batteries and, and things related to homes there is great to see. And then an interesting development or noteworthy, I should say, is the amount of autos that have come to, to market or continue to come to market. I think Volvo's getting set, Daimler's come to market, Toyota's come to market. I think Toyota Financial's announced its intention to come to market. So really a lot of activity in EVs. And also Scania, which is a trucking company from Sweden, announcing that it also wants to do a green bond for some of the projects that they have around EVs and, and connected um, technologies as well. So green loans, Cheryl, was there uh, any time or space for after that smorgasbord for some green loans to happen over the month as well? Thanks, Nick. Um, yes, property leads the way. Similarly, this month, uh, in terms of green loans over in Japan, Daiwa House did a Japan 20 billion green bond to finance green buildings. UOB over in Singapore uh, continues to pump out uh, green loans to property developers with a 120 million sing dollar green loan to healthcare firm The Farrow Park. So this building has been certified green mark platinum since 2011, which is a bit further than the usual look back uh, markets look back period of three years. But perhaps the properties has underwent upgrades in recent years to meet the recertification requirements. The state of New York mortgage agency uh, also did uh, a green loan. Mortgage companies are great; they are green, but um, you could consider them for social as well if they meet the affordable housing. Uh, target. More aggregate deals have came to market as well. Bell & Evans is the first poultry green loan to construct new, a new chicken harvesting facility with a design focused around animal welfare and environmental sustainability. And moving over to you know um, Ghana in Africa, um, a USD 42 million green loan uh, was done to fund water initiatives such as nano-filtered water systems in rural communities. So again, you know you can think about you know, labeling this potentially social as well, giving access to affordable essential services. IFC came out with a USD 225 million loan to South Africa's first RAND bank to fund SMEs and corporates that are in the climate and water smart infrastructure space to finance an agriculture as well as manufacturing initiatives and lastly another loan from IFC to development bank BP Bank in Vietnam which we worked on to provide the SPO as well. Um, what about sustainability linked loans Nick? Anything interesting there? Yeah still a dynamic part of the market so a couple of things to mention. Wilma who is a palm oil related company um, did a lot uh, or has done a lot of SLLs previously and announced a significant uh, bilateral with UOB actually connected to our rating so that's a good development to see. 
Um, also, Hong Kong Land, part of the, the Swire Group, announced a KBI-based SLL with lots of different targets around greenhouse gas emissions, uh, food waste, electricity consumptions. Uh, so an interesting transaction there. And then a couple more to note, uh, CIMB financed a sustainability link transaction for StarHub in Malaysia on the back of um, something that had uh, an SLL with Axiata earlier in the year. And also a significant size loan, a billion actually, for um, a US company called Aligned, which is a data center operator there. So some different uh, KPIs related to energy use and workplace safety and some other issues there. So uh, check, uh, check that one out. And SLBs, I think this is our second month of including a specific section on sustainability link bonds. Uh, Cheryl, what's caught your eye in that regard as this is a really hot or should say heating up part of the uh, the overall sustainable finance market. That's right. So since last month, we continue to see lots of write-ups on the Suzano deal. So just to recap for those who are not aware, Suzano owns paper hygiene brands and they were the first bond signed after the ICMA sustainability linked bond principles. They had a target to cut carbon intensity of their products by 10.9% by 2025 versus their 2015 baseline through the reduction of emissions from their own manufacturing and from the electricity they consume. So if the company misses that target, their interest rate on the bond will step up by 25 bips. Also, similarly, uh, we too worked on our first SLBP KPI opinion letter for Novartis, which is a global pharma player that develops and manufactures medicines. So they're quite interesting KPIs, two social ones around patient reach and access to therapies for low to medium income countries. Do check out that opinion that we provided because, you know, we comment about the ambitiousness of the SPTs as well as the materiality and the relevance of these KPIs. So the coupon structure is quite similar. Um, it steps up by 25 bips if a Novartis failed to reach one or both of the 2025 targets and there is no downward adjustment if they do meet their targets. Uh, rounding off, we have Chanel coming to market as the first unrated issuer to place an SLB. This is a landmark bond for the company uh, to support their sustainability strategy known as the Chanel Mission 1.5 Degrees. They have three targets around their carbon emissions. So they want to decrease their scope one and two by 50% by 2030 against 2018 baseline, as well as they want to decrease their scope three greenhouse gas emissions from their supply chain by 10% by 2030 as, as well compared to a 2018 baseline. And they commit to shift to 100% renewable energy by 2025. So these targets are SBTI approved and they did a Euro 600 million SLB back in September. Lastly, to wrap up this section on SLBs, the ECB announced that they would accept the SLBs as collateral. So this is a great development and it signals hope for mainstreaming of this uh, financial instrument. So maybe let's uh, move on to transition. Anything interesting or notable to mention, Nick? Yeah, just a couple of things on, on the transition space that we saw over the month, a really good article on environmental finance about, you know, just transition, transition having to be inclusive and this, this whole concept of just transition, which is also emphasized heavily in the CBI conference. So check out the literature related to the just or the inclusive element of transition, which is growing in importance and being connected to, to social related dimensions uh, as well. For those of you or for those listeners out there that are very keen to get an update on the CCU or the carbon capture market utilization, the IEA, the International Energy Agency, released a 174-page report, which is a bit of a masterpiece. Check out at least the, the executive summary on that. It's a, it's a really important technology, which is talked about in a lot of transition trajectories and a lot of uh, going forward thoughts around how to get to net zero, uh, but it hasn't really taken off as much as expected. So 
check that out. A really, really detailed report. And then just a quick plug for, um, there was another article on uh, Hellenic shipping news on the Poseidon principle. So they continue to be referenced, talked about, and for those of our listeners involved in shipping financing, similar to the draft um, standard from CBI, check out the Poseidon principles, check out the draft standard from CBI on shipping because they're excellent, excellent reads. And the reason I mentioned that is because shipping is a really important sector to discuss in relation to transition. And what about social bonds, um, Cheryl? Anything caught, uh, particularly caught your eye over the month? Yeah, we'll be quick on the social bond side. So Netherlands Water Shopping Bank issued Euro 1 billion social bond for affordable housing. You see also in Finland, Unifin also issued a 500 million bond for affordable housing. We worked on an opinion for Ikare Sante for a social bond focused on healthcare as well as hospitals for H populations. So that's great to see, you know, as, you know, the world population grows, there's going to be a lot more focus on the aging population. And over in Russia, a Russian bank, Sovcom Bank, uh, issued zero interest installment cards for low to medium income individuals. And this is aligned, you know, to the concept of providing access to essential services to low and medium income individuals. Right, that's about it for transactions this month. Lots and lots um, that we rattled through. But Nick, could you do us the honors to round up for any key regulatory or industry developments which we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, so another noteworthy month in terms of uh, regulatory activity or standard activity. Um, a couple of things in particular to mention was the GRI or the Global Reporting Initiative are updating some of their fundamental standards um, or universal standards, I should say. And they've got a document out for public consultation by uh, early September, actually, which I guess we're releasing the podcast after that date. But check uh, check out what uh, GRI is doing. And that's similar to SASB, really, really, really important market players that determine some of the standards and guidelines for corporate reporting around sustainability. So that's worth having a look at. And also uh, GRI, they've also been busy uh, over the month uh, releasing a draft sector report or standard for oil and gas. So we know how important oil and gas is in terms of the transition strategy for many countries. So check that out. The Texas also released and continue to release some really good reports on the EU uh, taxonomy. So there's a skydiving kit um, available in that. Um, I won't say any more, but check, uh, check it out. Always you know, very good reads, particularly on reducing the complexity or making it a bit more absorbable, some of the information uh, on the EU, uh, EU taxonomy. And probably the last point is the NGFS or the Network for Green in the Financial System, which is a group of central banks and supervisors around the globe that exchange views and are looking at obviously continuing to evolve the way that banks are regulated and supervised in relation to climate risks and, and sustainability issues. Um, and they've released another, uh, another paper, which is an excellent summary. And if you want to get into a lot of details about how the banks will be more than likely supervised going forward and some of the issues that they're thinking about from a regulatory point of view, definitely check out the work that's produced by uh, NGFS and that latest uh, report. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to the articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Also, do follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.